Hey there, I'm Tony Ann, and I have an overwhelming passion to help moms navigate motherhood without the overwhelm. I went from struggling with motherhood and losing my identity to being productive and living out my version of being a happy mom. On the Real Happy Mom podcast, I interview real moms and experts to help you navigate raising children, self-care, time management, and so much more. So if you're ready to get rid of the overwhelm and start being a real happy mom, join me inside the Real Happy Mom podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Happy Mom Podcast. I am so happy that you have decided to tune in today because I have my friend Tiffany on today. And let me tell you something, Tiffany is going to definitely motivate you to do better with your life because Tiffany has a really awesome story. She only shares a part of it here in this podcast today, but I tell you what, the part that she did share will get you motivated because you're like, okay, if Tiffany can do it, I can do it too. And that's what I want to share with you today is how Tiffany was able to go from homelessness, being a single mom, to thriving and having this awesome nonprofit organization, as well as doing some other amazing things. So in this episode, we talk about several different things. One in particular, her story of how she went through going from rock bottom to actually getting to that place where she was able to start to rebuild her life. Then she talks about her organization that she has started and shares how it is so important for us to make sure that we are supporting single moms in ways that her nonprofit is supporting single moms. And then lastly, she gives us some encouragement and lets us know that we can do something right now, even if we are frustrated, overwhelmed, just feeling like we can't do all the things, but there is something that we can do right, right now. So I'm not going to hold you up. This episode is so, so good. And I, I know I say that about all my episodes, but no, for real, this one is really, really good. So let's go ahead and jump on into this episode with Tiffany. All right, Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I am excited to have you and you have so much to share. And before we jump into our topic, I really just wanted you to share a little bit about you and what you're currently up to. Oh boy, this could take a while. (laughs) No, um, I am a coach and an author, and I work specifically with women who have had a big challenge or setback in their lives and help them to rebuild from the ground up um, with a strong foundation of faith and then help them to use their stories and their experiences to impact others, whether it be through writing a book, starting a business, shifting their career, um, just really living their best life. And um, in addition to that, I run a nonprofit organization that I founded called When She Thrives. It's um, dedicated to empowering single moms to move their families from poverty to prosperity. And we do that through advocacy, education, personal and professional development. So I'm pretty busy. I also have a husband and two teenage sons. Yes, yes, you are very busy, actually. And the thing that I love most about you is your story, because you have a really amazing story about how you rebuilt your life after several setbacks, in particular with homelessness and also being a single mom. So I wanted to go back to that part of your life and hear more about that part of your story and how you're able to rebuild and enjoy the life that you have now. That's a loaded question. (laughs) Let's see if I can handle it. Okay, so... 
Um, I'll give you way back and then bring it forward. So when I was little, I'm the youngest of three children, and my family is the family that experienced every epidemic in the Black community. So we had the quote-unquote American dream, like my parents were married. There were three of us. I have an older brother and sister. Um, My dad was a plumber and also an entrepreneur, and my mom had the luxury of being home with us. Um, while they were married. And then my dad got addicted to drugs. My mom started having mental health challenges. My sister became a teenage mom. My brother got caught up in the gangs and getting, you know, in and out of trouble with the law. And then there was just me reading books all of the time. And um, my parents will always tell me when I was young, you know, if you work hard and you keep making those good grades, there's nothing you can't do. Anything you put your mind to, you can do it and you can do it well. And that was true for me through most of my life. I got scholarships. I got the quote unquote good job, but there was one area that I could not make this magic with. You know, I had this experience where everything I touched turned to gold, even though all of the other things were going on around me until I got into this relationship. And In the beginning, it was innocent enough. You know, he was my escape because everything in my life was so serious. I was so focused on my grades and getting into college and getting these scholarships. He was like my relief. Um, But very early on, excuse me, sorry about that. That relief took a little bit of a turn. And um, even though I'd watched plenty of my share of Lifetime movies, I allowed the red flags to... Um, I, I ignored the red flags. And so before I knew it, we were in this long-term relationship that was emotionally and mentally and at times physically abusive. And by the time um, we were on the end of the relationship, I had one child and was pregnant. And I mean... <laughs> I couldn't even go into all of the details, but ultimately I had experiences where once um, when my younger son or my older son was having his first Christmas and I moved while his dad was at work. Like I literally had movers come. They moved my Christmas tree with the ornaments on it because I was so afraid that he would come back in the midst. Like I literally like ran away from him and Unfortunately, I did that more than once. So it was a very tumultuous relationship. But after I had my younger son and things didn't improve, and my children are very close together, they're not even two years apart. So this was like a rapid period in our relationship that just got consistently and progressively worse. And I had to get a PFA and all of the things. And um, I was finally just tired, you know, for a long time, I would pacify him you know, kind of do what he wanted me to do to kind of limit the fuss or any confrontation because I just wanted to move on. Um, But I got to the point where I was just tired. I was tired of living in fear. I was tired of being a prisoner. I was tired of suffocating who I really was to appease him. And he didn't like the fact that I was tired. And one summer night, he, excuse me, he actually climbed in my window because I wouldn't let him in. And he didn't do anything this time. He actually wanted to talk. But about two weeks later, he attempted to climb in the window again. And I had a slum landlord at the time, so he hadn't come to fix the window. But I jimmied it with a two by four so he couldn't open the window. 
And this time he shot, he broke into my house and he did that by shooting through one of the glass pillars on my back door and then putting his hand into the back door and unlocking it. And he came in. I had not only my, our two children at the time, I had my niece and nephew and it was very hot. It was summer. So I thought when I heard, I heard the noise, but it was muffled by the air conditioner. And so I thought one of these children had fallen out of the bed. So I opened the door and I see all of the children are still in bed. Everything's intact. And I heard footsteps downstairs and I didn't even question like, did someone break in or anything? I knew it was him. I heard his footsteps. And by the time I realized I was hearing footsteps, he was coming up the steps and he had a gun in his hand. And um, he pushed me into my bedroom and he was like hollering and screaming and pretty belligerent. And the entire time he was like holding this gun right between my eyes, um, like on the ridge of my nose. And um, when people tell you their life flashes before their eyes in the movie, they don't make that up. I literally can remember seeing images of like myself and my mom at my high school graduation, me breastfeeding my older son in the hospital, like he and I um, on a date. Like I can remember these flashes of images and just praying, God, please don't take me away from my babies. Like who's going to take care of my babies? And I got really nervous and I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. Like I'm going to have an accident. And so he was letting me get up um, off the bed to go to the bathroom. And in route, he got upset again and kind of like shoved me against the wall, back to hollering and screaming, back to this gun in my face. And I looked into his eyes and I was like, he's drunk or he's high or something. And if I don't do something, I'm going to lose my life tonight. And in an instant, you know, I thought you know what, Tiffany, you could apologize to him. You could say, let's just lay down. Let's talk about it. And I decided in that moment that I wasn't going to do that anymore. Like I was going to stand up for myself and whatever happened as a result was going to happen because I was just tired. So at some point, (laughs) something in my head told me like, if you don't do something, you're dead. So I grabbed this gun and I grabbed it by the barrel, obviously, because he was holding it on the other end. And we got into this tug of war and I got the gun off him actually. And then just like the women on Lifetime, I stood there looking stupid, like, oh my gosh, I have the gun. And I, and, and this was all happening very quickly. Um, probably After about three seconds of having the gun, I realized like if I turn this gun around and shoot, he's going to be dead because he was, I'm a, I'm a tall woman, I'm a big woman, but he was bigger and taller than me. So I was probably at about chest level. I would have shot him right in his heart. And while I'm processing all of this in my head, he realizes that he no longer has the gun. I have it. So he pulls it back. And when he grabs it back, he grabs it from the trigger and it goes off. And I end up shot and on the floor. Um, So that's kind of how I got to my rock bottom. So at this point, I am shot. Um, I ended up having to have several surgeries because the bullet shattered my femur. So I was in the hospital for a pretty extended period of time. Um, My landlord did not evict me, but he did not want me to come back. So I ended up homeless. Um, I I was pretty far overweight at this point because I had two children in a very short period of time and I already wasn't skinny before having them. Um, I also 
still not long after this happened, ended up filing bankruptcy. I was just like in the most desolate place of my life when this happened. And I had two children to care for as a result. And not to mention, you know, like this man was my first and only love. Um, We started dating, we were 16, 17. And, you know, by the time we had our children, we were almost 10 years into this relationship. So this was like, you know, what I knew. So a lot was just, once that gun went off, everything in my life changed. Everything for my children changed. And it was really, really challenging for me because like I said, there was nothing I had done in the past from academics to professionally that wasn't awesome. And this really blew up in my face. And even though I had for a long time been pretending everything was okay, once you make the 11 o'clock news, everybody knows like your cover is blown. So I was dealing with a lot of esteem issues. I was dealing with a lot of, you know, coping with my, my own internal ideas of failure. I was dealing with this desire to, you know, beat the odds and not be the statistic, if you will. And so I felt like everything I worked so hard not to be, I ended up being, but I knew that I knew that God had more for me. So my children, I actually ended up in an emergency domestic violence shelter because he didn't go to jail right away. And we had been together so long, there was really nowhere I could go that he didn't know, you know, he knew all my friends, all my family. And that also was a a turning point for me. It was just, yeah, it was just unthinkable that I would ever be there. And in fact, be there with my children. Um, My younger son and I learned to walk together because he was crawling. This happened about a month and a half before he turned one. So like he would be crawling around or scooching around. He would go up and down the steps on his bum and I would go up and down the steps on my bum because I couldn't do the steps with my crutches or my walker. Um, So it was a very humbling experience. And it also was the force for me to you know, rebuild my life and realign with who I knew God had created me to be and really commit to doing the work to getting there. Um, So not long after I started to recover, I tried getting jobs here um, in Pittsburgh, where we're from, where all of this happened, and I could not get a job. And I was almost um, not even almost, I was suffering with PTSD a lot. I feel like every, I felt like everywhere I went, people were staring at me. I felt like everybody saw me on the news and I had convinced myself, like, I'm not getting a job because this happened to me and people know. So my dad talked me into, um, a change of scenery. He's like, why don't you, you know, get away and just take some time for yourself and for the boys. And I had family in North Carolina and also had family in Atlanta. And I decided that North Carolina would be a better place for me to go a little slower paced where I could kind of catch my breath, get my bearings and for lack of a better way to say it, recover. So I packed up my minivan and my boys and what we could fit in that van. And we moved to North Carolina for two years. And that's kind of where that rebuilding process started for me. Wow, Tiffany, that was, yeah, 
I was sitting there like, this is really, you should really have your own Lifetime movie. This is really, <laughs> really good. Because <laughs> so I'm just like, this is stuff, you just can't make this up. No, you can't. You can't. There isn't a Lifetime movie yet, but there is a book called 30 Day Stay. That 30 Day Stay. A little bit more of the, okay. yeah. All right. So yes, 30 Day Stay. Definitely got to read that one. Now, I'm just curious. So when you moved to North Carolina and that's when the rebuilding started, was there anything in particular that you remember doing or experiences that you had that were able to get you from that point where you are were then to where you're at now? Well, let me first be honest and tell you that like there was a lot of crying a lot of crying. I mean, even if you haven't just experienced something traumatic, loading two toddlers into a minivan and all of like your life into a minivan and moving to a new state, it's a lot. <laughs> like it's overwhelming. And um, I was staying with an uncle and I did have two cousins, his children, but they all had their own lives. He basically was like, here's where you can live. Here's a bathroom. This is how the stove works. Have a nice life. Like there wasn't a lot of um, guidance or anything. So it was a lot of exploring. And one of the very first things that I did was try and connect to a church um, because I knew that there was no way I was going to give through what I had to grow through without God. So I, I was very intentional about that. And then also, again, giving myself that space to just get still and quiet and ask like, who is Tiffany really? You know, I had gone from being the smart one in the family to being the girlfriend of him, to being the mother of my children there was very little time to be Tiffany. And so I spent a lot of time really getting to know myself and learning the things that I really liked and didn't like and the things that I was doing because they'd always been done versus the things I just did not want to do anymore. And so it was a lot of time of dating myself and being intentional about learning to be more self-aware and reestablishing my relationship with God. So that's kind of where it started. And then from there, um, you know, getting connected to people, most of the people I got connected to were either through my church or through my children. Um, they had to go to daycare because I had to go to work. So I met people there. Um, I joined a gym because like I said, I was overweight. I met people there. Um, and so really just, it was, I was very heavy on focusing on myself and my children and creating an environment where I could begin to build the life that I thought I wanted for us to have. So it's a lot of self-reflection. It's a lot of downtime, if you will. Um, and just really being committed to the process of not only what, dealing with what someone else has done, but also really looking in the mirror and being able to evaluate the decisions that I made or the actions that I had taken that weren't the best. And, you know, beginning to build out systems or plans to prevent that from happening in the future. Yes, definitely. And I will say, Tiffany, one thing, just as you were talking, I was just thinking, because you were talking about, you know, having that space and accent 
yourself those questions and, and dating yourself and things like that. Like, I'll be honest, like sometimes for us, like that's uncomfortable, like being alone, because I think we're so used to being everything for everyone and being everywhere, like being still and, you know, actually being with ourselves. Like, I'm sure that was kind of uncomfortable. So I was just wondering how you felt during that process. So I'll be honest, Tony, and I felt very free. You know, when you're in an abusive relationship and you're you find yourself constantly tiptoeing around or you feel like you always have to, um, you know, pretend to be happy. You're always trying to please someone else. All of your decisions or your actions are made through the lens of what is he going to say? How is he going to respond? What's you know what I mean? I was very free because I had complete control at that point. It again, I'm not saying it was easy by any stretch, but I felt so just free and like open and and just exploring the world almost for the first time again. Okay. And I don't want this to sound like so, you know, like cookie cutter, but that's the reality of it. Like I was l- literally learning to live again mm-hmm. on it. my own terms. Yeah. Now, one thing that I, I love about you too is your passion and and what you got going on with your nonprofit when she when she thrives. So I was just wondering what got you started with that and why is it so important that we help single mothers? So <laughs> interestingly enough, Tony Ann, when I was in North Carolina one evening, I was sitting in my little office space and I don't even know what I was doing on the computer late at night, but I remember sitting there and literally getting this divine, this divine download of this program or this organization and all of the things that needed to happen to support single moms to be able to be their best. And um, it was inclusive of a lot of things that we have not been able to bring to fruition yet. But the reason why programs like When She Thrives are important is because nationally, um, in metropol- most metropolitan areas, in the African-American community, single moms are leading most of the households. And in addition to that, single moms are leading most of the poor households in our communities. And so what that means is that a large um, number of the children who are being raised are being raised in poverty. And there are are many implications to that, right? Like um, education is not the same, um, food disparities, health disparities, all of those things. And what I know to be true because of these numbers and these disparities is that, you know, a lot of organizations are serving youth and building the youth up, which I think is great. However, when you're building youth up and they're going home to a parent that is mentally ill or not healthy or not um, operating in, at her best mentally, physically, spiritually, then even that child is still going to have some challenges, even with all of the inputs that are going into said child. I'm a prime example of that, right? Once my parents got divorced, all of those disparities became overwhelming in our family. Now, I was able to still thrive and go to college, but there were some things that I chose to engage in and I dealt with in my life that I probably would not have if the circumstances were different. And so 
the reason why these organiz- this organization is important and the work we do is important is because what I know to be true is when single moms recognize their power to shift our communities, then our children are going to be better. And the men are going to be better because the women will raise their standards. And if the men don't get better, then they will be alone. And so I believe that when she, she being the single mom thrives, children are going to thrive. Families are going to thrive and communities are ultimately going to thrive. Yes, yes. I am loving all that. And I am just curious about um, the nonprofit now. Like, how, what is your role in the nonprofit and what do you or, or what are you planning for the future as far as developing the nonprofit? What is my role? All things, everything. Um, so <laughs> I do a lot with the nonprofit. This year we do have two fellows, um, which are like interns on steroids and they are both college graduates and they are helping develop our SOPs and get some of our systems in place so that I'm not having to be everywhere and do everything all of the time. Um, But we right now are running three programs. One is growing through grants where we provide rapid response crisis prevention grants for moms to prevent or reduce unemployment, hunger, homelessness, or the interruption of any basic needs. We also have the Scenes from a Single Mom Book Project, which is um, a program where we work with small cohorts of moms, between 10 and 15 moms, to develop, write, and self-publish their um, stories. And we also teach them about entrepreneurship through that process. And that progr- that um, project, we're going to be launching a podcast for this year. So that's one of the things that's to come. And then our other program is called SOAR. It's an acronym for Successfully Overcoming Adversity with Resilience. And SOAR is a program that um, meets at the intersection of self-care and social justice. And so we're really working with the moms to learn to care for themselves and also to understand the power of their voices and how they have the power to not only be advocates in their homes, but in their communities and for the world at large. And so we're preparing to launch a new cohort of moms in the SOAR program Um and then the, the next big thing that I would hope to be able to do um, at the start of our fiscal year, which is in July, is to hire a programs director. Because right now I am the CEO, I am the development director, which means I'm raising all of the money. I'm also the program director, which means I'm creating, facilitating, recruiting, and doing all of the communication and fundraising for all of the programs, in addition to like the strategic planning, the board um, development, and being accountable there. So I'm doing pretty much everything at this point. And so we've experienced rapid growth specifically in 2020 because we were already doing those crisis prevention grants and a lot of funders wanted to be able to get funds into the community and they weren't sure how to do it. So we were a conduit for that through COVID and being able to really impact families. So we've experienced a lot of growth, which is good, but it's also a challenge because it's just me. So this year I'm hoping to expand our team at least by one other full-time staff person, which will allow us to have greater impact and um, expand our programming. Awesome. Awesome. Now I'm just wondering for some of the mompreneurs who may be listening, like what is one thing that you would say 
to them who have these big dreams, just like you have um, to do something really impactful, but are just kind of feeling overwhelmed with everything that's going on. What would you say to that mom? And as, as far as giving her some encouragement there. I would say first and foremost, that it's possible, but that it's not going to happen overnight. And if I can, Tony Ann, I would like to share this little tidbit because I get that way myself. Like God gives me these big visions and I'm like, okay, how in the world am I going to do all of this? The other night I was in the bathroom having some quality time with myself because you know, that's where people take the longest to find you usually is in the bathroom. So I'm in the bathroom and I'm just sitting there and I was feeling kind of heavy and I'm just like, I feel like a lot of things are just kind of all over the place and there are some things I want to do. And I feel like I've been given the green light to do these things, but I keep feeling like the timing is off. And so God was like, you know, Tiffany, you have to embrace the right now. And he gave me this vision of being in an airport, having been, Um, waiting for a delayed flight for an extended period of time. And he was saying to me, Tiffany, you keep going up to the desk every time they say another flight is going to take off and you want to be at the top of the list and you want to go now. And you're so focused on the destination that you think you're going to. But right now in that airport, there are people for you to serve. Right now in that airport, you can put your bag down and take out your computer and get on the Wi-Fi and do the work that you can do now. Right now in that airport, there's a bookstore. You can be developing yourself for where I'm taking you now. So my encouragement is is the very same for the mom who is overwhelmed and struggling. It's like, what can you do where you are right now to get you closer to where you're going? Who's around you where you are right now that needs to be served in the capacity that you want to serve when you get to the place that you think you're going? What do you have in your hands right now that you can use that could potentially be multiplied or can overflow on someone else or something else right now that you can work on? Not get complacent in that space, but be content where you are doing what you need to do to lay the foundation or strengthen the foundation so that when your flight is ready to take off, you're not like, oh, my gosh, where's my bag? Where's my stuff? I'm not ready. You are already preparing for what's to come. Hopefully that made sense. And hopefully that helps somebody. Yes, it did. And the church said, amen. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, Tiffany. Now I want to know if there is someone listening that's like, I want to get in touch with this lady. She is awesome. Or I want to connect. Where can we find you online? You can find me on just about every social media platform. My handle is at the Tiffany Huff. Um, If you're interested in learning more about When She Thrives on Facebook and on Instagram, it's at When She Thrives. My podcast is called The Bounce Back Blueprint Podcast, and it's on just about every podcasting platform you can think of. And um, I won't spell it out, but you can put the link in the show notes for my website or if anybody is interested or looking for a coach, um, I'm willing to help or talk to you about that as well. Awesome. And yes, I will definitely make sure all of those links are in the show notes. Tiffany, thank you so much. This has been awesome. You have truly been a treat. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I've made it now. I'm finally... Real happy mom family. Yes. Yes, you are. Thank you. Thank you.
Now that does it for this episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. To find all the links that Tiffany mentioned, as well as the book that she was talking about, make sure you head over to realhappymom.com slash podcast and you'll find the show notes there. And if you have enjoyed this episode and enjoying the mompreneur series that we have going on this week, please let me know. You can send me a message on Instagram at realhappymom or leave me a five-star rating and review here in Apple Podcast. And let me know that you are enjoying this because honestly, those Apple reviews help me out more than you know. So do that for me and I will greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now that's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next week to another full episode. Take care and with lots of love.